0: Greetings, programs, and welcome to another episode of the Awesome Friday Podcast, a podcast where we talk about two new things every week, uh, usually movies, and in this case, both movies. Uh, my name is Matthew, and with me, as always, is Simon. Say hello, Simon.
1: Hello. Hello, everyone. Hello. How, how are you doing? How's your week been? What's been oh, my the week's been,
0: my week has been super busy. Yours?
1: Um... So work is kind of half busy at the moment. I'm not sure if that's a good or bad thing, but it's been just lots of stuff. But I have uh, had opportunity to um, <laughs> to listen to all the sirens in Vancouver. This is yep. just a normal, this is the song of Vancouver. Um, so I meant to mention this last week, but we were so marvelled up I didn't mention it. After our Stranger Things podcast, I started watching Stranger Things. And I actually oh, yeah. had I had started... Years and years ago, and I got halfway through the first episode and turned it off because the child went missing. And uh, at that time, I was, I, I'm very raw against my children going missing. Now my kids are a bit older and a bit more annoying. I'm like, oh, they'll that, be fine. Um, so I watched in a week the first season of Stranger Things, and I thought it was amazing. I'm, like really amazing. And I am 90% through season two of Stranger Things. I really wanted to finish it for this weekend, but life got in the way. And, uh, the drop-off is quite impressive between season one and season two of Stranger Things. It's like, That's
0: very true. I don't think season two is bad exactly, but, uh, season two, I think is the, of the four seasons, season two is the, the, the lesser of the four.
1: It's insane how it feels like it's all over the place. And there's a, um, it reminded me of, um. There's a season of Lost. I, I absolutely adored Lost. I'm the person who even liked the ending. But there's one season of Lost that's really, really bad. And it turned out years later, they basically said, yeah, we we basically made it up episode to episode. We had no idea what the through, we weren't expecting to be renewed. And so we just made another season. And it feels like that. It's so, it's so filled with interesting moments that are put together in them in like, the worst kind of way possible. It's really slapshot and haphazard. And even even though you've got wonderful moments like Paul Reisner um, staring at a screen while the alien sound effect, the, the motion tracker sound effect plays while all the aliens like attack the goodies. There's, there's lovely moments like that. And there's some like David Harbour is brilliant. I've never really seen him in anything before. He is. I don't know if he's this good in other stuff. But he is. You've seen him.
0: You've seen him in a ton of stuff, and he's always great.
1: (laughs) Have I though? Have I seen him in a ton of stuff? Okay. Yeah, he's been around for
0: quite a long time. Um,
1: Black Widow. I saw him in. I can't really picture. I haven't seen the Hellboy remake that was meant to be terrible. I can't really. uh,
0: He was like the least of that film's problems, though. Um, Um, So things you probably would have seen him in. Obviously, there's Hellboy. Um, he's in the twenty sixteen Suicide Squad, Black Mass, e- The Equalizer. Um, Good. uh, b- 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 what else? Um, Who was he
1: in Suicide Squad?
0: Uh, he was uh Dex- Dex- Dexter Tolliver, I think. Oh. Yeah. Okay. The main thing I remember him from the first time I remember seeing him uh, and being like, "That guy, I like that guy." Mm. Was in two thousand and eight. He was. One of the he was the CIA stooge in Quantum of Solace, uh, and I I really like I'm, I'm the guy who likes that movie. So do what you will with right. that information, but so say what you will. He plays the perfect smarmy dude in that movie. I, I have complete no with smarmy memory. mustache.
1: <laughs> I have no memory of that whatsoever. That movie. Um, the movie's
0: interesting because it doesn't. A lot of people don't really like it, but if you if you think of it as like an epilogue to Casino Royale, it becomes a much better movie, which is because that's exactly what it is. It's a direct epilogue. Like it's an extended epilogue to Casino Royale. It's all about Bond getting over Vesper, basically. And uh, it's a much better film if you watch them as close to -to back-to-back as you're willing to do.
1: Right. He's in in that show you like as well, Elementary. He's in an episode of that, which I didn't know. Should, should really watch that.
0: Here, I'm going to piss off a whole bunch of people. Elementary is a uh, better <laughs> than Sherlock.
1: <laughs> I love your hot take on Elementary, and you're probably right. Um, Sherlock definitely overstayed his welcome. Wow, he's done a ton of theater as well. Really good yeah. stuff. Wow, yeah, cool. David Harbour is
0: is really really good. I would have. Yeah. I know he was in a production of Glengarry Glen Ross a few years ago. I would have loved oh, to have seen Park, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. Awesome. Anyway, um, so anyway, I'm I am pushing through Stranger Things because I do hear it gets better. And honestly, the the motivating force to start watching Stranger Things is that I found out that in the most recent season, the end of season four, someone attacks the baddies by playing uh, Metallica's Master Master of Puppets over like mm-hmm. this red backdrop. And I've seen maybe three seconds of that, and I turned it off immediately. And I'm like, okay, I want to get to that point because. <laughs> like music versus things is one of my absolute favorite things. So I'm like, I'm just going to have to go from the beginning to get the context for all of this. And I'm I'm not going to, I'm not going to spoil
0: it for you, but that is a pretty great moment. Uh, (laughs) I will also say as a person who's watched all of stranger things, that stranger things season three is actually my favorite season of the
1: four. Oh, good. Okay. That's good. That motivates me more. And uh, it's, it's also
0: the most like, especially after two, it's a lot more focused. It's only eight episodes instead of 10. Um, Mm -hmm and it's very clear they had a plan from the beginning which Mm -hmm. as you're saying it doesn't really feel like they did for season two Um, and it also has the i would say the scariest version of the monster oh nice uh and yeah i uh i i I really like season three
1: is that your favorite season out of the four seasons so far
0: to be fair i haven't seen season one Basically since season one or two, basically since they originally aired and I've watched season three twice. Um, mm-hmm. We watched season three again in the lead up to season four. Uh, but yeah, I would say it's probably my favorite season, but cool. <clears throat> I think if I, I think my, that might change if I rewatched season one, but um, I could, I could rewatch season three over and over again. I love that season of television. It's really good.
1: Nice. Is that when my Hawk turns up? Cause she's fantastic. and I look forward to seeing her.
0: Yes, she joins in season three.
1: Cool. Excellent. Well, that's good. What are we talking about this week?
0: We are talking about two new movies, one of which uh, we're going to talk about second, debuted on Netflix just this weekend, and another one that's coming out in theaters next week on the, for this coming week on the 29th of July, the year of our Lord 2022, (laughs) uh, which we're going to. Start with, I just enjoy that I can say really random shit and have you laugh at it. Like, <laughs> <laughs>
1: That's always been the case, isn't it? <laughs>
0: yeah, I don't know if it's uh, my delivery or just that you don't expect it or both. But like, I... the look on your face when I say stuff that you know that harkens back to my history degree, basically. It's, so it's really cool.
1: there is a there is a delineation in Canadian delivery and humor in people between. People like American over-the-top neon-signed humor, which isn't funny at all, and people who get British sarcasm. And when I when I like speak to a Canadian, I'm always thinking, "Which one are you?" Like if I, if I, if I make if I make because I'm British, as you may have picked up from my accent. And so everything I say is sarcastic. My humor is only dry and only dark. And that turns out that doesn't travel here whatsoever because there is everyone you meet in the street is either going to be fully on board with like quick, dry delivery, English sarcasm, Monty Python, you know, all that good stuff. Or they're going to take you 100% literally. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And, um, and they'll see, they'll say things like, Oh, that's so funny. Like, and not, not many things make my, t- my teeth grind as someone going, oh, that's so funny. Like, I know. That's why I said it. There's a, <laughs> there's a, whole,
0: there's a whole Seinfeld episode where he dates a woman who never laughs and always says, that's funny. And oh, it's, really? uh, you, should, you should look that up. <laughs> I will watch that. <laughs> but.
1: but so what I enjoy, what I've already enjoyed about you is that you are on the sarcasm side of Canadian humor. And um, I, I enjoy how your mind works.
0: Oh good well, thank so you there we go <laughs> uh, i'm I'm flattered by the idea that it does
1: uh. <laughs> and and i it's always nice when you say something is quite good. I'm like, oh you understand the difference between quite good and quite good yeah. <laughs> like, why why would we have
0: that <laughs> yeah, uh. it's like how the the greatest um compliment you can give anything that anyone has done <laughs> in British English is yeah, not bad. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, that's very much like the movie Uh, we're going to talk about. (laughs) So uh, we're going to start this week by talking about a new movie coming out in theaters uh, later this week called Vengeance. This is the uh, directorial debut uh, of B.J. Novak, who you probably best remember as Ryan Howard, on The Office, the American Office, the Hot Take Better Office. Um. (laughs) (laughs) wow. I thought, yeah. is this
1: in retaliation for my Marvel hot takes?
0: <laughs> no, no, it's just uh, uh, the truth. Okay. Um, yeah, uh, briefest of plot synopsis, this is about a man who is basically B.J. Novak. He's a, a Brooklyn hipster, writer for The New Yorker, Twitter verified, tweeter uh, writer, and he gets invited to a funeral for a woman who uh, died of an apparent overdose because his her whole family thinks that they are like an item and she is just a girl that he's hooked up with and he goes to this funeral and decides to turn his experiences there into a podcast uh with some pretty big ideas about being able to explore what it what america means through this death of this girl um it is i don't really want to say much more than that because it's that the rest of it's kind of spoilery um but I will say that I liked this movie generally speaking. How about you, Simon? I know you you're probably not as much as me.
1: Yeah, we talked about this briefly uh, in the week. It's the problem My problem with vengeance, I've got two problems with vengeance. The first is that it's it feels really overwritten, like really, really overwritten. Um, I'm kind of allergic to people using extended anecdotes to get to the point they're trying to make. Uh, but that's a writing style that I've
0: gone through as well.
1: And I just, yeah,
0: that doesn't uh, doesn't bother I, me like at all.
1: My second problem is probably larger. I I find Bj Novak borderline unwatchable as a performer. <laughs> like I, there is something about him, and it was the same in the office. Like he, re- any episode he was in in the office was was tainted, and. I know he was, a big produ- he was a producer, definitely a writer at The Office, wasn't he? And, mm-hmm. yep. and I, I found it very, very interesting that Vengeance, in many, many cases, sounded like an Office script that was trying to be a bit more emotional and serious. And for me, that didn't really work at all. But as a performer, I don't think it helps that he always plays like assholes. So Ryan in The Office was an asshole, and then he turned into a super asshole. And the guy in this movie, at the beginning is an absolute like he, he starts with a dialogue with his buddy about all the how they justify sleeping with lots of different girls and you're meant to dislike him i i get that but yeah i mean I, he's not I, a good I, character especially no, at the
0: start of the movie i i find
1: him just borderline unwatchable and i don't know what it is but i don't enjoy him as a performer so it was a combination of that and I'm, I'm uncomfortable with City Boy finds humanity in Hicks, who turned out to be not as stupid as he thought. Like, I, I don't enjoy that as a genre. So there were lots of things in this movie that didn't really work for me. And the ending's terrible, but we'll get to that later.
0: We'll get to that in a bit. I don't want to go into too much spoilers, but... <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, most of the stuff in this movie... I think that you're saying is going to be either sort of not love it or hate it, but like, like it or not basically. And for most, for the most part, it worked for me. I thought that everyone in it is great. I thought I like BJ Novak. Um, he doesn't have a ton of variation in the characters that he plays, but it sort of works for the movie. He's meant to be unlikable. He's meant to go through a bit of an arc through the movie, uh, where he goes from unlikable to at least human. Um, the opening scene of the movie, which is him and John Mayer talking about basically how it's wrong to want to connect with people, I thought was really funny and on point for his writing style and his performing style. Um, it is kind of hard to separate him from The Office because I've watched, I've watched personally, have watched The Office like three times. through. We're actually in our, the middle of, I think, our fourth rewatch of The Office since the pandemic started because it's just so wow. rewatchable. Um, and so it's like hard for me to separate is... him.
1: The whole the whole thing or certain seasons.
0: No, no, the whole thing. Wow. It's just it's just so easy to throw on in the background. Like it's mm-hmm, and it's yeah. reliably funny and I never get tired of it. Mm-hmm. Um I lost my train of thought. Uh but yeah, uh, it's it's hard for separate, me to separate yeah. uh BJ Novak from Ryan and you're right it does, you know, because he produced and wrote so much of The Office. This does have a very officey feel to the way it's written. Um, but that sort of worked for me. Um I will say that I I did like this movie, but it definitely bites off more than it can chew thematically. Mm. You know, it's trying to have to say a lot about you know, in the same way that his podcast in the in the movies trying to like record a podcast because this girl OD'd and his family, her family are convinced that it's actually there's some foul play and he's trying to make a podcast that has commentary about America. And the movie is trying to do that at the same time. And it, for the most part, it works for me. At some certain points, it doesn't. Um, And I think that's just where it's going to come down for you, right? It's either you're either going to buy in or you're not. I think that the parts, the parts that work, work like gangbusters. There is some pretty great satire of america especially of the exact type of person that he's playing like his character ben is like if you imagine the most insufferable brooklyn podcast having hipster that's who he's playing
1: yeah and
0: the satire like him playing that character works really well but the satire of that character that type of person which I'm not going to lie. Sometimes made me feel a little bit attacked, but um, <laughs> <laughs> um, that you know that all of that was pretty great, and I really enjoyed the entire cast. Uh, um, especially uh, J. Smith Cameron who plays uh, the girl's mother, and Boyd Holbrook is always great. Yeah, he really is. It. I yeah. don't think I've seen anything with Boyd Holbrook where I wasn't like, yeah, Boyd Holbrook is great. You know, like it's he's he's reliably good. Uh, and I did really enjoy that, you know, he goes every time just to further that point of him being sort of an insufferable person. Like there's a great scene right toward the beginning where he's sitting at like dinner with his family. And he mentions that he's only been to Texas once and it was for South by and the grandmother's like, Oh, what, what's what, what for? And he's like, Oh, South by is a festival. And she's like, no, what band did you go see? No one goes to South by just to go to South. By. Like every time that it like, reaffirms that they're not just ticks; that they are fully formed human beings. I thought really worked really well, and it was mostly really sold well by the cast. Mm. My main problem with the movie, to be perfectly honest, is the ending. I thought it should have ended about, like, one sequence before it did. Absolutely. Uh, there's, there's a there's a great monologue towards the end that is sort of like the realization of the main character's arc, and then the movie keeps going for, like, 15 yeah. minutes.
1: Yeah, that's and, the really and, annoying thing, yeah.
0: And, yeah, and, like, there's a great supporting turn from Ashton Kutcher, who is, I, I know we don't really talk about Ashton Kutcher anymore, he's kind of, like, disappeared, but he is, he's really good at delivering a certain kind of dialogue, and he's really good in his few scenes in this movie, Um, and there's a, he delivers a monologue that I think is really on the nose in the ending, but I still think that ending should have been cut, like, cut, like, the, the movie should definitely should have ended before it did, is all I'm trying mm-hmm. to say. It's hard to talk about it without spoilers, but there's like a perfect thematic resolution and then the movie keeps going. And that's a little bit disappointing.
1: I I absolutely agree. It it did find a perfect ending. And if it had just expanded on that moment of realization, because it it kind of would have brought him full circle back to where he was. And uh, the story had been told by that point and it had a resolution that was fitting for the story, but then you've got this, like tacked on. Maybe it's to justify calling it vengeance. I don't think it was the right name for the for the movie, to be honest, because it, it it was about different things, and it felt like that ending was so it could be called vengeance, and it and it it didn't feel. I mean, in a movie, I wasn't really enjoying it anyway. It was yeah. the ending that was so needless and overblown and uncomfortably like awkwardly out of place it just didn't work at all didn't need it at all
0: yeah which is a shame because i otherwise i enjoyed the movie like i say my my general take is that it definitely bit off more than it can chew and goes on a little bit too long but very generally speaking i enjoyed it you know i uh, i thought that the all the stuff it was trying to do basically until the end uh it did Reasonably well. I don't think it's going to win any awards or anything mm. like that. But it's uh, it's it's a pretty pretty perfect three to five for me.
1: Is this his first directed feature?
0: Yes, it's his first. Di- it's his directorial debut.
1: Right. He didn't direct any of the Office.
0: Uh, I don't think so. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that he. Yeah, no, this is his directorial debut. He wrote oh, a yeah. ton of The Office and mm. he obviously starred in The Office. Mm. Um Oh no, never mind. He did direct a bunch of The Office. He's directed a bunch of TV. He hasn't directed a film. This is right, his first so
1: film. That's a feature, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I mean
0: if I Actually he 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 directed Scott's Tots, which is one of my favorite <laughs> office episodes.
1: <laughs> that is good. The, I think he's got like he's got a good ear for dialogue but I think he over overstretches it. And for me, the the reason why The Office worked were those, uh, like, it's the no laughter track cringe kind of humor where you sort of catch a, gl- a glimpse to direct-to-camera from Jim. I mean, Jim Jim's sort of half-look-to-camera perfectly underlines this kind of humor in his kind of writing, mm-hmm. right? And when you transpose that into something like Vengeance that's meant to be m- something more... I it, it felt a little that style of humor because there were a few moments like that that were quite funny, but they kind of felt out of place for me. But
0: yeah, I, I, think, I think that's I, fair.
1: I, I think he'll grow. Like I, I, I would watch the next thing he writes and makes because I think he's got a good ear for it. He's definitely got a good ear for a kind of dialogue, and I would be really interested to see what he does next. But this one didn't land for me.
0: Yeah. So, I'm giving it a, a three out of five. I guess you're giving it what? I'm going to guess it's a, two? It's
1: a, it's a middling two. I, yeah. I really like Boyd Holbrook, like you say. I'm just, he's one of those actors where if he pops up, you're like, oh, Boyd Holbrook's in this. Like, I just, I just really like him. He's just, uh, it, and he's quite different between if you compare Logan to that, what was that monster movie in a mansion with his terrible shifting British accent that sort of changed counties every year? Every line. What was that called? Where well, he's oh, like a, yeah. mon- a monster the, hunter. The curse. Really the curse. Right. So he would compare Logan to that to this. Like he's really varied and he's got g- good range and he's just very committed and watchable. So I really enjoyed him in this, and I think Ashen's great. I, I think he is an underused actor, and I think he's got some really good chops. But um, just as a package, didn't come together.
0: Mm-hmm. I think it's a pretty fair take. I think, Mm -hmm. uh, like, like I said, I think that the, the parts of this movie that work for me outweigh the ones that don't, but I can totally get that it's not going to connect with everyone anyway. Mm -hmm. Uh, but I think it's definitely worth everyone giving it a shot. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, uh, this film debuted at Tribeca back in June, and it is coming out in theaters, and presumably I don't know when it's coming out on demand, but presumably it's 2022, so it won't be that long. Yeah, it won't be
1: long for this kind
0: of movie. But yeah, it will be in theaters on the 29th of July, uh, and it is R-rated, but uh, I think you should give it a try. I, think every, I mean, mm-hmm. I think everyone should give every movie a try, but I think you should give this one a try. <laughs> yes, indeed. Yeah. Okay. So, um, yeah. That's uh, where we're at with Vengeance. We're going to move on now to our second film of the week, which just came out on Netflix uh, when you're listening to this on Sunday. It will have come out on Friday. Uh, And we're going to talk about the Russo Brothers' new film, The Gray Man, which is a spy thriller with Ryan Gosling, Canada's Ryan Gosling and Chris Evans. And Simon, why don't you give us a quick rundown on (laughs) this movie?
1: Okay, I'm going to give you the entire story of this movie, which happens in the first two minutes of this movie. So, I'm going to say some stuff, and none of it's a spoiler because this movie is not at all concerned with uh, taking time with setup. Like it's straight to the concept. Uh, Ryan Gosling is in jail, and uh, Billy Bob Thornton gives him an option: come and work for us, and we'll get you out of jail. Come be a wet work, like assassin, basically. And he says, "Okay." over some chewing gum. And then we cut to like 18 years later, I believe, and he is on a hit, which goes a little bit sideways. And during this sideways hit, it turns out the target is someone else in his secretive assassin guild. And he's got a a little USB drive with some secretive stuff on it that uh, he asked Ryan Gosling to uh, take a look at. And you'll know the truth. Now, this sounds like I've revealed a lot this is first ten minutes maybe, uh, yep. and then the rest of the movie is stunt to stunt. And your opinion on whether you like this movie is how you feel the stunts were choreographed and filmed. And in a way, it kind of reminded me of um, Extraction with um, Hemsworth. Hemsworth, yep, right, which was a movie that purely existed to show like fancy drone camera work and stunt to stunt. I didn't like Extraction. This worked a lot better for me. But it's basically Ryan Gosling is causing chaos. The agency sends in this like lone gun, other assassin that they can't really control, played by Chris Evans, who is brilliant in this movie. And basically, Chris Evans has no rules. Has no. He will listen to no one. He will do whatever it takes to get his mark. And so it's Ryan Gosling and Anna Domas versus Chris Evans, basically in a bunch of different cities with a bunch of different stuff blowing up. And that's really the synopsis of the movie. Have I left anything out?
0: I mean, the only detail you've left out is that Chris Evans is a private contractor, which is why the CIA can't control him. And uh, Ryan Gosling is a Sierra agent who doesn't exist. Um, But, like, that's all neither here nor there. We've pretty much run the whole thing down. Like, Ryan Gosling (laughs) has information. The bad guy, like, the evil... Operations chief of the CIA needs that information because it's about him, and he sends Chris Evans to get Canada's Ryan Gosling, and it's just a chase <laughs> and a bunch of bunch of stunts. And uh,
1: I like how he's kind of just, Ryan Gosling.
0: Well, according to federal Canadian bylaws, that is how we refer to. <laughs> The baby goose we can call him canada's ryan gosling or we can call him the baby goose those are it's like the it's like the quebec language laws this is it's like that same Ooh. with um, vancouver local ryan reynolds <laughs> you know it's uh, there's specific ways we need to refer mm. to things
1: beautiful i learn every day
0: yeah um i mean i i uh, did you like the movie though i mean like i think you actually liked it more than i did and yeah. i thought it was fine
1: so the I went into this movie with a little trepidation because I'm not not a huge fan of the Russo brothers uh, Marvel movies. I don't think um, that we we talked at length before, probably on the podcast actually, about their framing and editing of action. And
0: yeah, we've how, definitely talked about it before because I and, don't like and ha-
1: it. <laughs> and how we're we're both partial to pulled back passive cameras allowing us to see the actual fight. And we've talked about this in relation to Star Wars or MCU, all kinds of different things. So for the first half of this movie, I was pretty much blown away. I loved the first half of this film. Absolutely loved it. I thought the action was framed really intelligently. I loved the stylistic choices. There's one extended plane sequence where there was no uh, dramatic background music. It just took its time to show this plane sort of... uh, uh, unraveling piece by piece and it's shot very cleverly um i loved, love love chris evans like he he is the smarmy mustachioed uh dangerous person and and he is a great actor he is very able to do this kind of dark kind of character and i i really like ryan gosling ryan gosling i saw one review that said ryan gosling looks um like he's just tired. He doesn't want to be there the whole time. But what I love is that he is so highly trained. Basically, when people run at him with rocket launchers, the first thing he does is like is like roll his eyes and like, oh god, do I have to do this right now? And he's handcuffed to a bench, and he can't reach the guy. It's like, okay, all right, just give me a second. Like he is brilliant in this because he is not like your John yeah, McCain.
0: Yeah, he's basically nonplussed by everything that yes. happens in the movie, yes. which is kind of a brilliant. It's kind of a brilliant choice to be honest. Like he is meant yeah, to be, yeah. he is meant to be like the most highly trained of the most highly trained people. And instead of being like, "Oh shit, stuff's happening," he just acts yes. as though he's really highly trained. It's kind of like whenever you watch a movie where there's a guy in the army who, when like an alien like there's a fight breaks out and some army sergeant goes like, "I didn't sign up for this shit," it's like, "No, actually." this is exactly what you signed up for. And I really enjoy that Ryan Gosling's character, Sierra six um, is basically treats everything like exactly what he expects to happen. It's it's a really, it's a really smart choice. And I think that, I think that Gosling is, is very good at it.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's one wonderful moment where he gets stabbed with like surgeon scissors, and he pulls them out. And he's trying to dress himself, and he's just like, "Oh well, he missed the liver and the kidney. What an amateur!" <laughs> like, he's yeah, just, like, muttering <laughs> to himself. And um, yeah. I love that tone. So the first half, I was totally on board. And um, I do love
0: that they call it out in like the first scene. That first, that first you know, set in 2003 when he's first being recruited and he's talking to Billy Bob Thornton. And at one point, Billy Bob's like, I get it, you're glib. Yes, yes.
1: <laughs> Here is the definition of your character. Yeah. Um, the uh, But there's a, uh, there's a sequence with a tram that marks the halfway point where suddenly the editing starts getting really frantic, the camera starts getting a lot closer and it leads to a resolution that is not good like the ending is not good and i would love to know if the second half of this got really rushed because i was so on board like it was a high four out of five until things started going downhill
0: yeah i but disagree what, what entirely think? i think all of the action was pretty bad um <laughs> and it, it all it stems from the same reason that i don't like the action in captain america the winter soldier um or civil war um so my basic thesis about the Russo Brothers is that they are they are bad action directors, and I think that they're perfectly competent directors of everything else. They do not have a lot of style, like they don't have a lot of f- uh, flash. It's just very workmanlike, and that's not a bad thing, but they're very workmanlike directors of actors, they're very bad directors of action, and Infinity War and Endgame, both of which I like a lot, are only as good as they are because of the cast. And this movie supports that thesis to me. Mm. Um, all of the action in this movie, to me, is it shoots too close, it cuts too fast. And even like that sequence on the plane that you mentioned, where the camera is a little more passive and does shoot a little bit longer takes, the angles are too low, and then they release a bunch of smoke into the air. So you can't actually see what's happening.
1: I, I think that's a really interesting point, because... That same sequence we talked about, I love it because the camera was low. The smoke is there, and you can only see the legs. And it's just about how you're gonna, what kind of art is art for you? Like you, you hated that because it was too low, and you could only see the legs with the smoke. I loved it because it was low, and you could only see the legs because of the smoke. And
0: well, I guess what really frustrates me about that, though, about all of this, and this again, this applies to, I think especially, there's one fight in particular in the Winter Soldier, and it's the the first one where captain america first fights the winter soldier in the on the highway yeah and what really bothers me about it is that you can 100 percent tell in this movie that ryan gosling and chris evans put in the work to learn fight choreography to really get it down really precisely and then they shoot it so they shoot it so poorly you can't actually see what's happening
1: are you talking about any like their final fight
0: uh, so the, I have problems with their final, the final fight in the movie for a bunch of reasons, and but yes, mm-hmm. that is one of them. Mm-hmm. But like almost every fight in the whole movie is like that. Like the the and the scene you're talking about with the with the tram, like there's a scene, a part of that in that whole sequence where the tram is moving through an intersection and a car gets blown up, and you get to see that car blow up and crash from three angles in about two seconds, mm-hmm. and it's just emblematic of the way they shoot action and i and i hate it and there's this another scene right before that where he's in the middle of a square in prague and he's chained to a bench and someone like drives a car toward him and he only barely escapes but it cuts so fast that you don't actually get to see him escape <laughs> like it's it's cutting so frantically that the the beats of the action like the the like bare minimum for you to understand what's happening is there but the minimum for you to like follow the flow of what's happening is not. And I find it really, really frustrating. And the, the first scene where Gosling and Evans actually have a confrontation, which is earlier in the film, which you can find a clip of online. It's on Netflix's YouTube. But there's a it, the first time they meet face-to-face, and they have a couple of great lines of dialogue, but even the fight leading up to that scene where Gosling is tearing his way through a bunch of different minions, and that one is actually kind of refreshing, because it's longer takes, it's a steady angle, and it's a steady cam, but then they shoot it from behind the people he's shooting, that he's fighting, so you can't actually see what he's doing. You can see that he's like, has a couple of knives and he's going to town, and he's clearly put in the work again to learn all this choreography, but they shoot it with a person in the way, the whole time. And it's really frustrating because I just want to, mm. I just want to watch it, man. Like I just, I just, I just want you to put the camera to the side and let me see what's happening. That's mm. all I want. That's all I want from an action movie like this. Basically, I want every movie to be shot like John Wick or The Raid. I want you to pull <laughs> the camera back. I want you to teach the people the choreography, and I want you to let me watch it happen. And this movie doesn't do that at any point.
1: You see, I just, dis- I disagree. I- with like half of that i think the the points that you picked out about the car crash on the tram and the uh, i'd say actually when they drive the van into the park bench and he just escapes i would say that is the moment where first half becomes second half for me because the Mm -hmm. editing i know exactly the car crash you're talking about and it is terrible it's the police car right and it's you see it do the same thing three different times in about one second and um the but before that, you know, the fight you're talking about with the passive camera, uh, the, I think we're actually talking about the same thing, that the person in the way didn't bother me. And there's a flashback scene where he he fights, um, some dude protecting the, the niece in a mansion, and the camera doesn't move. And it's him and the stuntman punching, blocking, punching, blocking, punching, blocking like four or five times over.
0: And yeah, that's that was pretty good, actually. And, camera,
1: and, and that was fantastic. And I feel like the first half that was the level of the action. And then maybe by choice, maybe they thought they were trying to accelerate towards the end by increasing the cuts or whatever they decided to do from that car crash from the tram onwards just uh, did feel like a, a different kind of movie, actually, a different kind of edit and different kind of directors even. Um, and
0: I I, they- I, I have exactly no insight into how the Russo brothers think, but my my guess and again totally uninformed i i don't know them i don't make movies myself but my guess is that they think that fast cuts gives like a um it makes everything feel faster it makes mm-hmm. everything feel but to me it just sends a feeling rushed which is a, a different thing you yeah. Know, like
1: yeah no i know what you mean it's it is a shorthand used by many many directors and i don't think it works as well as they think it does the, the, uh that's why I, I can't watch the Bourne movies, the Matt Damon Bourne movies, because everything is tight cuts and, and hyper edits. And uh, I, I find it unwatchable. I can't follow, I can't track what's going on. I and the, and... The,
0: For me, the difference with the Bourne movies, and I know this is not all of them, but the difference is that the Bourne movie employs, you know, was the movie that basically made the shaky cam, the handheld cam, Popular, mm-hmm. but at the very least, that's kind of because the cameras try and move to keep up with them. Like the shots are at least longer, mm-hmm. um, whereas mm-hmm. a lot of people's interpretation, a lot of other directors employ the shaky cam, and they cut, they cut too frequently. Is what it really mm-hmm. boils down to. I can deal with the shaky cam as long as they don't cut away from stuff all the time, and it just it really gets to me because mm-hmm. I like. I think it's it's a little bit, I don't want to talk about it right now just yet, but when we get to talking about the big final confrontation between Gosling and Evans, I have a lot of other thoughts about it, but that's another great scene that, like you can tell, they did the work and then it just cuts so much that it's hard to follow.
1: Mm-hmm. And outside of the choreography, there was no resolution at the end of this movie. They had to find something for poor Jessica Henwick to do, who's this like third wheel like they she her whole character arc needed a, a just a total overhaul and the uh, this is rest- a,
0: a pretty terrible waste of both Jessica Henwick and I would even argue Anna de Armas. Yes, yeah, yeah. And, no, I would
1: agree. She's um, yeah.
0: Yeah, I think you know, so Gosling and Evans are great. I actually really enjoyed Billy Bob Thornton even though he doesn't have a mm-hmm. ton of screen time. Yeah, no, he was uh good. the there's a young girl who plays Billy Bob Thornton's uh niece. Uh, Mm -hmm. and her name is uh, is Julia Butters Julia Butters, which you probably recognize her because she was the young girl actress in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and so I've seen her in two things and she's been great in both of them Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, and I don't think that uh, and I'm going to mispronounce his name but uh, Regé-Jean Page Mm -hmm. um, Anna de Armas or Jessica Henwick are bad actors I just think that they are, like it's a waste of their talents given how little they're given to do um, well,
1: Roger Reg- Jean Page, I thought was great. I've never seen him as an antagonist. I thought he he had a really solid accent as well, and he was really watchable. But uh, for for the movie, exposes him as the central bad person, and then spoiler alert: there's not really he doesn't really get any kind of comeuppance at the end. Like the the is yeah.
0: really off focus. I do wonder cuz I know that like it's like a stated thing in the marketing that this is intended to start a franchise and I right. wonder if that's why they you know they need to keep a bad guy around for the next movie. Um, but you're right. I mean, yeah, the way the way it resolves is not mm. it is kind of tidy in a sense, but it's not satisfying.
1: Not at all. Not in the slightest.
0: It's and, weird, actually. Yeah, so but also just a total side note just sticking with the cast for a second. You know who is great? Danush as the lone wolf agent. Um, like yeah. another like he has such a, an interesting on screen presence in chemistry, and I hope that we see more of him in Western cinema. Uh, where,
1: where where have I seen him before?
0: Uh, I don't know. Let's quickly look him up. I don't know if I have seen him anything before.
1: I kind of recognized him.
0: Uh, I mean, he's a big, he's a, he's a star in India. Like he is a, right. he is a a star of Tamil cinema, um, but it I did. don't know if I've seen him in anything Western.
1: It did amuse me that the end of his arc is choosing to move forward with honor. Like there's limits he won't cross. Like the honorable Tamil fighter I thought was a really interesting choice for him.
0: Yeah, it was a nice juxtaposition to uh, Chris Evans' mm-hmm. completely amoral character as well. Yeah. Especially yeah. W- there's a moment where uh, Denish's character realizes exactly who he's been working for, and it's it's a really well executed mm-hmm. moment, I thought. Mm-hmm. But I think that just comes back to my thesis that like the Russos are pretty good at, at getting decent, like in good performances out of their actors. They just they're mm-hmm. kind of like this movie has a ton of drone. Cinematography in it too, and I just don't think they have the flash to pull that off. Mm -hmm. Like they don't have the, for lack of a better word, they don't have the like creativity to do anything than like establish the most direct path for a drone to fly. (sighs) Right. I don't know if you did. You ever see Ambulance? No. No. I was gonna say
1: you're you're comparing this to Ambulance, though, aren't
0: you? I am, and the reason for that is that when Michael Bay discovered drones this year as well. Um, but the way he approached it was he's like, shit, these drones can do amazing things. And so he hired a world champion drone racing team to shoot his drone stuff. And they do like the, the cinematography does all kinds of bonkers shit with those drones. Whereas in this movie, it's pretty much limited to a, uh, a re- perfectly good tracking shot that starts under a bridge and ends with a flyover of a city.
1: It would be a crane shot. It would be a stitched crane shot, but they just did it with a drone instead. Yeah, I know what you mean.
0: Yeah, and then there's there's one, one long take, uh, with a drone that is pretty good, where it sort of circles around a courtyard and catches three different characters in three different stages of action. And there's, but that's also again, it's part of a larger sequence. It's one cut, that if they had kept the drone going for a while and just managed to choreograph all that action would have been amazing but instead it's like three medium shots instead of one long one and again they just they just lack the flash to make that interesting mm-hmm. you know they're not racing up the side of the building doing a 180 and coming down and then going underneath an ambulance as it passes by like <laughs> they just don't have the 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 Russos just don't have the style to make that as interesting mm-hmm. as it could or should be. Mm -hmm. and it really sounds like i'm picking this movie apart but honestly it's fine it's totally fine it's probably the best one of these like 200 million dollar action movies that the netflix has produced so far oh yeah
1: for sure for sure definitely it doesn't it doesn't look like a typical like low budget netflix thing it looks good i mean it looks
0: it also like if you're going to compare it to other things (laughs) of the same ilk like i was thinking about this yesterday in that I didn't think the movie was great. But I'm going to I'm going to end up giving it a 3 out of 5. But I think it's better than Red Notice, but I think I yes. think like wretch, I think retroactively I, w- I wouldn't I wouldn't bump this one up to 4 to give it a higher score, but I would retroactively bump Red Notice down. What did you give Red Notice? I thought it was fine. I gave it a 3 out of 5. I looked it Ooh. up. Yeah, Again, Red but it's another far, one where like sort of, it's it's sort of coasted on the rock and like all yeah. the, the chemistry and the charisma of the stars, right?
1: Yeah, so this Notice is. is terrible. This is much better than Red Notice.
0: So, this is, I mean, it again, it sort of coasts on the chemistry and the charisma of its stars. And that's sort of fine. I doubt I'll remember much about it in a couple of days. You know?
1: I've got a slightly more positive take. Like, the first hour is incredible. And then, if you're okay with the more frenetic pace of the second half, then definitely watch it. Um, you're you're not gonna find the ending satisfying. My my barometer is my wife. Like she watched it with me, and she by the end she's like, "Wow, well, it's just." Uh, and earlier, she was making. I said to you, Matt, when there's one point where Ryan Gosling takes his shirt off, and I think it was a prosthetic body because. I've never seen like a book like and my wife made a noise like air escaping a balloon, like really slowly. <laughs> like
0: ah.
1: <laughs> and um so she the first hour was a, a good one. But um it's kind of frustrating for me to to especially get to the end and not have a good action resolution to their action movie. But it makes sense the thing you're saying. If they want to position this as a franchise, I mean there's always more bad guys. They could have got another, like whoever's pulling. His strings could have come in, but um, uh, you're not going to find the end satisfying, but I still would recommend it. It's a really high, like, it's a solid three for me, but it was almost a high four. And that kind of disappoints me.
0: Mm -hmm. We'll say, too, that, like, there is a big last action sequence in which Ryan Gosling and Chris Evans, you know, have a face-to-face where they toss away their guns and decide to fight. And I've already talked at length about how they cut action and how it doesn't serve the scene at all, but also thematically and in keeping with each of their characters, that fight just shouldn't happen. I mean, it's it's kind of too spoilery to get into, and I might talk to you a bit more about it after we finish recording, but <clears throat> they spend so t- so much time building up Ryan Gosling as this like unstoppable secret agent who can cut his way through anyone he wants and they spend so much time with chris evans establishing him as a smarmy amoral and every time he has a chance to fight he just shoots the guy every single time until the Mm -hmm. end there's absolutely no build-up or reason for him to be to have an extended fight sequence at the end and he has got
1: that line where you want to prove he's better but i i take what you're saying
0: Yeah, but it's so, like, it doesn't matter by that point. Like, there's, at no point is there any indication that he's going to be any good at fighting at all. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, And I feel like the reason that fight exists is strictly to give them a fight together. Like, Mm -hmm. it's, it's to serve the, for lack of a better way to say it, it is to serve the actors, the star power of the performers, not the story of the movie. Like it would have made more sense for Chris Evans to for them to start that fight and for him to be really cocky and then to be kind of just defeated really quickly because he's actually just a cocky asshole. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, Absolutely. uh, But that's not what happens.
1: No, it's definitely the the scene preceding that is pretty cool, and then from that moment, that's really the beginning of the film's resolution, and it does it just loses it completely. Yeah. Needed. Although needed. there it's
0: is one of my favorite moments in the whole film, though, comes right before that when, uh, and I don't want to spoil it, but there's a great line exchange between Gosling and Butters um, that I really, really liked. That's a really nice oh. callback to an earlier yeah. film. Yeah, yeah,
1: that's done really well.
0: Uh, but then, yeah, then the resolution is just bad. Yeah. Okay. So,
1: but so yeah. I liked it. Watch it. Matt's up there.
0: I, I thought it was fine. You should totally give it a try. You know, the one thing about Netflix is that if you want them to keep making $200 million action movies, you have mm-hmm. to watch the $200 million action movie. Mm-hmm. And again, I think this is totally worth watching for Evans and for Gosling. Yeah. Um, I just don't... I think it's fine. It's totally fine. It's fine. Mm-hmm. It's totally fine. <laughs> it's adequate to the task.
1: <laughs> cool. So what's coming up on our next week, then?
0: I have absolutely no idea. I haven't had time right. to find it. So, stuff. There'll be something. Um... But uh, we will have to figure that out.
1: So. we were going to talk about covering Resident Evil, the TV series, at some point. Like, maybe that's something we could do.
0: We could do that, although apparently it's not great. Yeah, we gonna talk about <laughs> Yeah, maybe. <laughs> we'll see. Well, there's uh, There's yeah. a lot of stuff happening. Fantasia Fest is happening right now, too, so maybe we can put together some stuff from that.
1: But, Maybe I'll just question you about no, thank you, which you're going to go and watch very, very soon. And that's I true. Love Next week, we'll with any luck, we
0: will we will be covering nope because that is coming out uh, at the time of recording this today. Um, but yeah. Uh, other than that, I think we're going to cut it there because you know that's that's the end of our show. that's a good
1: that's a really good reason to stop isn't it i know right
0: uh so yeah vengeance is in theaters on the 29th of july um i recommend you give it a shot uh simon thinks it's probably better for vod uh to put it politely (laughs) um and uh the gray man is on netflix now so go watch it if you're inclined for that sort of thing. Simon, do you anything you want to say to, to anyone about anything? Oh,
1: about anything? Well, um, let's see. Um, no, thank you for listening. And also thank you for listening to the game podcast as well. I'm having a lot of fun making those and uh, suggestions. If there's anything you want us to play or watch or uh, when we covered RRR, we got tons of suggestions from um, people who were really well versed in that kind of cinema. And, it's really exciting to me to be told about things i don't know so if you've got any film or game suggestions that um based on what we talk about if you think we'd be interested in or if you'd like us to cut to cover then please we'd love to hear from you thank you for listening
0: yeah uh so that we're gonna wrap it up there thank you so much for listening Uh, as always if you like the show if you like what you've heard Please consider giving us a five star review on your podcasting platform of choice. Uh, like us, subscribe to us. All of these things help in a measurable way. Um, if you'd like to support us more directly, we do have a Patreon uh, and a Ko fi, and those will both be linked in the show notes, but it's patreon.com forward slash MC Simpson, I believe. Um, I should always know this, but for some reason I don't because I'm really bad at Patreon. So, uh, yeah, MC Simpson. Um, if you'd like to reach out you can find us on all the socials we are but our main one is on Twitter which is at Awesome Friday CA uh, or you could email us at comments at Awesome Friday and we'll get that too uh, we produce this on the unceded lands of the Musqueam Slywood Tooth and Nations here in Vancouver BC my name is Matthew that has been Simon thank you so much for listening and joining us on Awesome Friday
1: bye